<laughs> but here, here, here's, here's the word. Well, in fact, here's a poem about honesty. And it goes like this. When you get what you want and you struggle for self and the world makes you a king for a day, just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. What is it your father, your mother, or your bro, whose judgment upon you must pass? The fellow whose verdict counts most in your life is the fellow staying back from the glass. Some people call you a straight shooting chum and even call you a wonderful guy. But the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him smack in the eye. You may lead the whole world down the pathway of life and get pats on your back as you pass. But your final reward will be heartache and tears if you cheat the man in the glass. Wow. What is good? What is good? We didn't do the harmonies this time. We didn't do the harmonies because we want to get straight to the point. We want to get straight to the point. We are joined by the masterful, the wonderful, the talented <laughs> Inga, the winger. Hey. 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 Welcome, welcome to the On the Radar podcast, the On the Radar show. It is awesome to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Chizo Tane. <laughs> Chizo Tane. Chizo is and the name the man. that Nas I have been, I've, I've been blessed. I'm yes. blessed with the name Chizzo. Oh, Chizzo. Under that shirt. I try. I try my best, you know. <laughs> this, this guy's been taking me to the gym. So. Every time you watch a video now, it's Nods yeah. and Chizzo. Yeah, nods <laughs> and Chizzo. Chizzo and Nods. It's pretty catchy. Oh, no. Chizzo. How come you get your real name? That's. Oh. <laughs> Why do you get your nickname? Why do you get your nickname? <laughs> anyway, so we're, we're joined here. You're our first, I think, our first professional professional guest. Yeah, That's no, what I'd like to hear. I was getting sick of just talking to him. <laughs> I wanted to talk to someone else. To my wife, say. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted some, I wanted some more opinions, and now I'm gonna get it. So, we we are, we're pretty much like a sports talk, sports podcast. So, you know, with your vast history and the you know in the sporting world, we'd like to have a have a little chat with you, mate. You can ask me about anything and everything. I've That's what we like to, to hear. Nothing nice. to hide, but everything to do. <laughs> so um, why don't you tell us maybe a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, and how you kind of got started out. Okay. I was born in this beautiful little island in the Pacific called Samoa. Woo. Samoa. It's the second X. best island. The greatest <laughs> island. <laughs> I can say it's the greatest island because <laughs> I've actually known Samoa. Been there. See? I live there. You don't even know what it looks like. But That's then again, the Chizo and Nods will, 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 will go against what I just said. The greatest island according to my family. Yeah. <laughs> Your mother's Samoa too, mate. There you go. Oh, yeah. So what? Born in Samoa. Uh, how long did you live there for? I was there until about three and then I... Came over here to New Zealand with New my parents. Uh, I was one of four young ones. I was born into a small family of 15. And <laughs> back in those days, the New Zealand immigration laws can only allow four. And nice. I was, I was Did you one come over one by one? Or Well, if you if you say one by one. Yeah. <laughs> four, four by four. four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we were the four. Well, I was one of four young ones. Yeah. So we came here in New Zealand. With my parents, and we went straight to Invercargill. Oh, oh, really? Out of all places, yeah, Invercargill. Who chooses Invercargill? Cho- yeah. Well, my parents only had the jobs that was going at the time, and my dad got a job for Transrail in New Zealand, building railway tracks up and down the South Island. Okay. So back those days, if you just get a job, it doesn't matter what it is. It was just job was a job to get you out of the islands, fair enough, and give you 
an opportunity to come to the land of the long white cloud, as they say, the land of milk and honey. Nice. Yes. And opportunities. And we came over here in the 70s, early 70s. So how old were you when you when you first came? I was three. Three, okay. So you don't remember too much from summer when you were born? No, I do remember uh, the cyclone back then. Oh, when I was very, very young. But then over the years, someone has had a lot of cyclones. Not yeah. two, the big cyclone, Trina. So there's lots of cyclones that's been going yeah. in and out of Samoa back in those days. Um, came over here and over the years, mum and dad worked so hard to make enough money to bring the rest over. Yeah. Uh, over to New Zealand over the years. Amazing. I mean, that that was sort of the case for lots of Polynesian families during that time. You know, it was just... Was it? Do you think it was like a mad rush to get to New Zealand? It was just an opportunity that New Zealand had opened their doors. Yeah. And back then there was a lot of opportunities for what they call the white wear, um, you know, working, building, um, you know, washing machines, ovens and all that, everything to do with white wear yep. in New Zealand. So that presented a great opportunity for our people to come over here and also labouring jobs as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. So the fact that our people toil the land and work the land in Samoa or in the Pacific Islands and they were able to have those same skills when they came over here to do labouring. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can be all proud that our Pacific Island people have contributed to New Zealand and exactly. where it is today. That's it. Yeah. Great PR. That's great PR. That's great PR. <laughs> um, so. Great advertisement for the land of Samoa. <laughs> great advertisement <laughs> people. No, 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 no. We got no. all the skills. You, you, did you, know, you know who did the real work? Who did the real work in New Zealand? It was the Tongans. No. <laughs> it was the Tongans. They obviously came in. They and, got rid of all the horses. <laughs> <laughs> Because they rode them. <laughs> nah, so uh, where did you go to school? I went to school in Invercargill, a small little place down there, a little school. And then over the years, went to school in Dunedin. Yeah. And then finally came up to Auckland, went out here in West Auckland, went to Carlson Primary School, Carlson oh. Intermediate, and Carlson Boys High School. Oh, Kelly Block represents. Yes, like to out on the West Side. Nice. So did you start <laughs> playing rugby at... I played rugby back down in Chicago oh. and Dunedin and then established myself here in West Auckland. There was a club uh, called Ponsonby Calston yep. and Calston was another feeder club to to the great Ponsonby club mm-hmm. and so I've just been with that club ever since I played rugby and stayed. Yeah, well, I, I remember Ponsonby Calston because I used to play for Ponsonby and then there was always a year where they would join Ponsonby yes. Calston and it'd just be like, a bunch of white kids and then all the brown kids just joining <laughs> in to make, make one, friends one super team and yeah. they just well actually it'd be, be like they had they had your you know your Ponsonby team your main Ponsonby team and they'd pick and choose the best ones yes. from the Calston team and then they'd come over and make a super team and then there'd be like a B team well uh, Chizzo when I was playing back in our days we used to revere the Ponsonby town team you know? Oh, really? Yes, because we were pounds to be cast yeah. in West Auckland. And so we used to revere them and we said, oh man, they were always better than us. So yeah. every time we had the opportunity to play against our city uh, team, we would go all out to try and beat them because that was the, you know, it, it, it always ended up at the end of the year. It was either Ponsonby City that would win it yeah. and we become runners up or Ponsonby Calston would win it. That's why Ponsonby is just up. the greatest club in the world, isn't it? Oh, of course. So, I don't know my about Nods. I don't know no. about because he's from Australia. <laughs> my <laughs> uncle played for Ponsonby. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the only thing. I mean, I've only went to watch like one of his games when I was younger. And what's his name? His name's Billy. Billy. Billy Kamisi. 
Billy Carr Missy. Yeah. Oh yes, 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 yes. You know, I've heard of him. Yeah. What, what have you heard of? Oh, he's older. He's older than me. Yeah. Don't don't you think I look young? Yeah, yeah, twenty one. So did you move? So you moved up from the South Island, like around the primary school ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I moved around a lot of these private schools. As you remember, go go from a one, from two, from three, from four before you go to intermediate school. Yeah, yeah. So I moved around quite a lot of primary schools in my days. Was there a massive like culture shift? Or was it real different from Auckland? Like oh, definitely. Because back down in the South Island, I was, I just mainly grew up with white boys. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, white boys and girls at primary school. It wasn't until I came up to 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 Auckland then I was able to see a little bit more of our Pacific Island uh, kids. But even back then, there was still few, far between. You know. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah was so. it was it tough just being being brown going up in? I I don't think it was tough, but it was challenging. Yeah, you know, it's totally different things. It was a lot a lot of challenges. Not only the the the, the language barrier. Yeah. You know, but also the the cultural barrier, you know, and also the climate. And the climate was very different True. to what oh, I was yeah. used to. Uh, yeah, it's a bit, so, bit nippy in New Zealand, isn't it? Well, the further south, really, in Bukai, was just cold, man. I mean, it was my first taste of snow. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> we were eating the yellow snow. Yeah. yeah. And then you come up to Auckland, <laughs> and then you go out to Altara, out south, and, <laughs> and go out to the markets, and you just, all of a sudden, you've got this huge family. Yeah. And that was awesome, you know, just be able to go through the markets, eat anything you, you that you want to eat, you know? Yeah. Well, it all depends. My parents couldn't afford much back then. Mm. So it was normally just... Well, um, I just know, like, the like Polynesians and Pacific Islanders today love to talk about how challenging life is for them. And, like, I feel like compared, like, right now, compared, it's not as challenging as maybe someone, you know, who came here a while ago, like, how my dad had it or my granddad had it. Kind of yeah. stuff like that, but like we're the we're the ones that love to love to bring it up and talk about it, you know. We we're just talking about your granddad and and just the influence he had, and and you know he was such a quiet man mm-hmm. and uh, very reserved. But boy, he had so many contacts, you know, with the especially when you talk about Ponsonby days, yeah, back in the seventies and the eighties, that you know when we congregated and and all the or you know you talk about some of the greats, some of the greats that knew your dad, you know, like Keith Nelson, the the ex-captain of the All Blacks back then, yeah. you know, Sir Brian Williams, you know, another great All Black Samoan that mm-hmm. uh, was very close to your dad as well. You know? Yeah, I actually, I, I saw Keith yesterday yes. and, um, and I, I was talking to him and he was telling me a story about my granddad and it was because uh, at school, at grandma, they, I think they went to grandma together and they, it was the 1956 or something like that. It was in their first 15 season. They, they played their first game against St. Peter's and it was a really close game. They were supposed to win. And Granddad scored in the last second there and they won the game. And afterwards, they went to the locker room and they came out. And there were some St. Peter's boys there. And they tried to, you know, jump Granddad. And Granddad knocked them all out and got suspended for the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Because so... your grandfather wasn't only a, a great rugby player, but he was also a great boxer. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. He had a huge influence both on those two sports. Not mm-hmm. just here in New Zealand, but also in Tonga. Mm-hmm. So he, you got a lot Where? of big shoes uh, <laughs> to fill in. <laughs> the, the more important country. <laughs> I would say, to be honest, Chizo, I think the reality is the the current players today, yep. they've got a lot more challenge challenges that they face than what we had. You see, really? 
yeah, we 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 had challenges, but there were and there were few and far between. Okay. You know, we we had all those yeah the the the, the your typical ones the language barrier the the culture the climate um, and then learning how to play rugby you know or sports, mm-hmm. but you for the the current youth to today they got so much more because I think there's so much more um, emphasis on being trying to be successful in whatever you do whether it's sports or whether it's business or studies there's so much more pressure on you to perform yeah. and to to be successful. And, and, and I do feel sorry because I, I got my own children and I see that with my own kids as well. And sometimes I've got to be careful as a father that I don't put too much pressure on them. Mm. What, what what I call unnecessary pressure. But at the same time, these the, you, your generation has to learn to survive out there. Yeah. And the best way to, you know, they say experience is the best way to learn. You know, and the definition of experience is that it gives you the test first and then the lessons later. Yeah. That's okay. what we like to hear. You know, so great advice. Okay, that's some great advice. Go PR. <laughs> Go PR. Um, when did you start playing rugby? I was young. I was about five, five, six when I started playing my first game back down yeah. in South Island. When did you realize you were good? To be quite honest, I, I started realizing that I actually was good at it when when I was about 15 and they started selecting me for because all of a sudden we have these zone competitions yeah, like roller mills yeah, roller mills there mm-hmm. Walter Dixon and all of a sudden I was picked and then and, and it was hard to play because it was on Sunday games my mum wouldn't allow me to play on Sundays but I so it put a, lot, a little bit more pressure for me to turn up to these other trials during the week and really have to stand out yeah. and fortunate for me I, I did but that's when I I remember oh, 14, 15 I thought oh actually I'm actually quite good at it or being selected for these these representative teams mm-hmm. uh, Auckland on the 14th and the 15th and the 16th and the 17th yeah. and then I thought okay well I might as well give it a go but back in my days it was all about love you know there was no money in it because yeah. it was amateur yeah. you know and that's why it comes back to what I said the challenges the challenges are more for the young today because you know everything's pressure. about success and pressure yeah well it is mm-hmm. you guys are put in the compressor pot and you mm. gotta survive. Yeah, like I overheard you saying um, how like kids get contracts like 15, 16. <laughs> like yeah. you just like realize you're good at footy at like yeah. 15, 16, but like there's some kids out there at 15, 16 that like now um, they got the weight of their yeah. whole family. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like Jason Make- Tamalolo got signed at 12, yeah. 12, yeah. 13. Can you imagine that kind of pressure? Like, yeah. and also that must, must go to your head as it a does. 12 year old. I mean, I, I feel like it, that's more of who you are and your upbringing. True, but I mean, I guess in that, I mean, if some, if I if I packed a cool card in in a little card sleeve, I'm walking around school praising it as a twelve year old. I can't imagine getting a rugby league contract and you know. Well, that, that's the thing, and I think that's one of the challenges that the game, the governing body, has to look at. You know, is it good to offer contracts at such a young age? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you still want them to be kids. You, you know, as a twelve year old, you want them to still have fun. I remember when I became an All Black, I was 19 years of age when they selected me, which was still relatively young. It's really young. It's very young. It's very young. I'm, I'm 19. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bird and Barrett, move over. I'm coming in. And, and, and all of a sudden, your world changes. All yeah. of a sudden, people start recognizing you. Yeah. And you do get a big, big head because oh, oh, they, 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 know, they know who I am. Yeah. But then you have to grow up. You know, yeah. one minute I'm watching the All Blacks and all these heroes are like, oh, yeah. Next minute you're playing alongside them. Yeah. You think, oh, Okay, uh, you know, so all of a sudden the media and the yeah. spotlight's on you. 
So that's a big challenge for these young kids today. So I know what it's like to be put under the, 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 the pressure. But at the same time, it's, it is, it, you're going back to it, Nods. You know, depending on how you're brought up. And sure. if you're brought up really well. Yeah. And you've got beautiful parents that love you and show you, um, you know, certain stages of your life, you, you learn to, to behave a certain way. Yeah. And take responsibility, man. It's 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 just you just blossom as a young man, and and you can. I think one of the other things that I noticed that, uh, when I was playing, we had to work at the same time, so I was always conversing with people. Yeah, and you learn yeah. to to talk people. But I do feel sorry for some of these young ones that come straight out of school, straight into contracts, yeah. and then they be put into this little bubble. Yeah, they don't experience they don't the world experience. outside yeah. of professional yeah. sport yeah. or professional, you know. Or have, hard, having to be a certain because way. Because the hard reality, uh, Chizu and Nods, is that when you finish, when it's all over, it's over. It's over. Mm. You back to normal. And also, it, it's a short career. It's short. It can be. Yeah. You know, through injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, you might take a different path. You might get involved mm. in a relationship, like um, Nods is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you <laughs> get involved. Hey, these are real life issues. Hey, yeah, hey, fair enough. They, no, don't be. Do we got a girlfriend? <laughs> I'm I'm single. Oh, uh, boyfriend? <laughs> single. Uh, single. 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 Take him. Just one boy. Just one boy. One boy. <laughs> single <laughs> boy. <laughs> oh no. I mean, was there ever a moment where you realized that I'm the best winger in the world? Or I'm the best player. I you know? Where you realized like I deserve to be here because I think you measure yourself against the opposition, mm-hmm. and I always, I always made it a, a habit to to eye my position. Even yeah. when you're getting under the tunnel and you're getting long, standing alongside, ready to run down, <laughs> and you're like this, you're looking at them, you're looking up, you're <laughs> down, <laughs> up and down. Who? Well, I guess, but back then they didn't have like advanced stats. You didn't have all that kind of stuff. So it's not like you knew exactly who you're coming against yeah. until but, you saw them. But in mentally, but mentally, Tuzo, <laughs> if I could, if I can get one up on the guy, you know, just looking at him like. <laughs> you, you, know, yeah. you know you got him mate yeah you know, when it's... if you both look at each other and he looks away first yeah you know you've won that you're like yeah and he looks like, yes it's like mind that. Mind games. Mind games. that's right it's like that stare down you know when they face off in the boxes eh? when they have the way in then they touch face gloves off. yeah and all that kind no of one wants to go back off and yeah. they're just still staring well that's what it was like when i was growing up Thankfully for me, I was bigger than most wingers. <laughs> so I could actually steer them down. Right? Except for Jonah. Right? Except for Jonah. When Jonah came along, I ran off. <laughs> I'm going to go play for someone yeah, now. Go play overseas. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, what was your relationship with Jonah? It, was, it wasn't a very long relationship because we, we crossed paths. Yeah. I was on my way out and uh, I had signed a, a rugby league contract to, try, to turn professional. And and we're gonna in England. Rugby league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate. Saw the lunch, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean not yeah. your and, wise and your older years. <laughs> and then Jonah came through, but I, I I've I've been minded Jonah for a long time, ever since he was going through the grades through the schools and that. Yeah. And it wasn't whether he was gonna be a superstar, it was just a matter of when yeah. he was gonna become a superstar. So you know, and, and I think when I look back, my I, I can feel proud that Along the way, we've all worn that number 11 jersey. Yeah. You know, the people like the great Sir Brian Williams, the Brand Baddies, the Bernie Frasers, you know, Sue Wilson's, myself, Jonah Lomo. That, uh, that 11 jersey, you know? jersey is a oh, is that story. Jersey? Or is it I 14? think it's 14. 
Oh, no, he's 11. No, he's 11. He's 11, yeah. Doug Howard's 14. Doug Howard's 14. And now and again, he would swap around and play. Yeah. yeah. That that 11 jersey. That 11 jersey is, is yeah. yeah. That number 11 was, does that, that number mean a lot to you? Yeah, because I think I, I played wing all my, most of the majority of my career. And yeah. I was back in, and they called, that's how Inga the Winger came out. Yeah. Um, Carlson Boys, and this would put a, a corner flag and then it's the name of Inga the Winger's corner. <laughs> so that was that was my left my left corner yeah. flag and I and I had a habit of just scoring on the left side. Yeah. So so that's where Inga the Winger came from. It wasn't invented by the All Blacks or by Zealand Rugby Union. It was your it was mates just, in Calster? It was my mates from Calster. Yeah. Yeah. What skills like did you need like what skills did they like try and teach you or prepare you for like to play wing? Like especially at the pinnacle in Monosamo. I think well, <laughs> <laughs> you got that one right. <laughs> I think it, 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 in in the okay, the winger is a specialized position. Mm-hmm. So speed counts for a lot. If you've got good speed, good natural speed, which I had, I yeah. wasn't trained up as a um, I didn't go to athletics when I was young because my mum couldn't afford to pay for those subs. Yep. So how I needed to learn my, how I needed to improve my speed was four times a week, or no, sorry, wrong, two twice a week, my mom, my uncle would take me into the cemetery in Waikimiti. And he oh, would, really? Yeah, he went to the sun goes down and he would take me to the darkest side of the cemetery and made me run all the way to the front, to the front gate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to... oh, I guess it's, that, that's your track then. Yeah, you, track, you've got your committee yeah. track. That's where I sidestepped all the, 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 the headstones, <laughs> yeah. jumped over them, hurdled them, and I tell you, I got to the front of the gate of the cemetery very, very quickly. Eh? <laughs> it's a, it's I, a world record, isn't it? A yeah. world record. It's amazing what's... Uh... So every time you got the ball on the left edge, you're just thinking about the headstones. <laughs> it's the ghost, the ghost behind you. <laughs> but I suppose being a specialised position, there's a lot more skill that is required. But I think your 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 main target and your main focus to finish off whatever move that's been caught inside, you've got to finish it off. And yep. the best way of finishing it off is scoring the try. And the best way, the shortest way to the try line is straight ahead. Mm-hmm. Forget about the the swerve and the and the shimmy and the swerve here. Yeah, just go straight through down the middle. Hey. Well, do yeah. you think you and people like Jonah were like the start of the big winger? Yeah, some people said I was I was at the very beginning of it all, but I think yeah. people like um, I think people like Sue 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 Prime Williams. You know, he he might mm. not have been tall, but he was stocky. Yeah, and his, the size of his legs back then when he was in in his prime, even John Kuhn, You know, John mm-hmm. Kuhn was six foot two, six foot three, and yeah. he was big. You know, you know, even he, even though he's he's Caucasian, but he was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like being very diplomatic? Yeah, yeah. yeah he was Caucasian. He's, he's, he's going to the the politi- yeah. political. His, was, his ancestry was, is he different. Was, he was off brown. Yeah. <laughs> he was Pacific <laughs> Island in here. Yeah. <laughs> but they were oh. the big wingers, and then I came along, and I was certainly one one of the heaviest wingers. As I was, I was playing around about 112, 114 kilos. Jeez. And that's pretty still heavy. pace you know, on the wing. Yeah, I mean, like, did you guys do stuff like the body fat percentage and stuff like that back then? Oh, not, not, it was only when I went to rugby league and played mm-hmm. professional rugby rugby league there that all these testings, I had to do weights. I didn't, didn't even know what a, a deadlift was, you know. <laughs> That's all. So, like, I don't know what a deadlift so is. Do you think, so you got to the All Blacks on pure, like, unadulterated talent? I think in, the, in, in my era, yeah, I, I think talent um, spoke a lot about my own achievements, I got the purely on natural talent. Yeah. 
and obviously good guidance and, and great yeah. coaches but um yeah a lot of it was was my my natural ability just to play the game yeah. i mean i didn't do a lot in terms of being really specific on my job i just got the ball and ran through twice what i'm talking about is if you're different when you're inside sense of standoff yeah where you gotta you gotta mix and mingle you gotta integrate with your forwards yeah. and loose forwards and they are so yeah whereas my job was just to get the ball and run you know mm. run for a scum <laughs> um talking about coaching like do you think how important is coaching like i know a lot of people like um just over here don't think that coaching like really uh, yeah, benefits yeah. players or benefits no, a team uh, no, or, i like, think it's, i think it benefits but sometimes when i see like i think the all blacks the all blacks are a great great team and like the players are there sometimes i just think you could put any coach in and the all blacks are still the all blacks well you yeah. correct the chisa in, in in one way because you know, by the time you get up to the All Black, that's the pinnacle. That's, they, like, they, that's, they, that's what they, I mean. Yeah, they already knew all their basics. They already, they know everything that is required. A coach has come along, and then he coaches them. And his they said that he's got the best job and the easiest job. Mm. Again, that's true to a certain job. But then if the coach is really good, then it, it becomes harder for him to choose the best out of the very yeah. best thing. You know, there's a saying, they're coaches, and then they're coaches. And I think a, a, great, a great example of that is... Um, Boxing with Mark Tyson and uh, Gus D'Amato. Yeah. Uh, his coach, anyone could have come and coached Tyson. But it was Gus D'Amato that came along and, and and just really honed his, his, uh, what's his, his uh, rebelliousness. To, <laughs> yeah. to, to he be, tamed Mike. Yeah, he tamed him. Right? And, mm-hmm. and, just, and, and I was watching it today and he was talking about it in prison. And Mike Tyson said, this, this Gus D'Amato, came and spoke to him and said to him, um, you know, you're going to be a world champion one day. You're a good man. Because all he had heard most of his life was negative. You're, you're a criminal. You, you're useless. You're this and that. But this man took it on himself to saw something in Mike Tyson's eyes to say to him, hey, you know what? You're going to be a world champion one day. You're a good, you're going to be something special. Well, it's crazy because you see him now and he's, the nicest yes like yeah. like that that side of him is there yes. the one that was i don't know like non-existent or people couldn't see in him but i feel like he knew he had it inside yes but and it's it's out now he just needed it. someone to kind of unlock that like bring yeah. that out of him and that's why coaches are so important mm-hmm. coaches they say you can be a great boxer but it's the coach that makes you fair enough no yeah that's yeah. that's that's understandable mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> I, I was always one like I always thought like coaching was like like you could like you couldn't put anyone on an All Blacks team like I felt like you had to have the right person with the right yeah. like scheme and the right like coaching tactics like being like being able to distinguish like how players are and then like if you need like to put your arm around someone you do or if you need to like motivate someone like negatively then you do like someone like a coach would like it's just that's how they're important sort of thing what is an important thing I think you're going to learn some what I'm going to say. In England, they call them managers. They don't call them, in, in the English Premiership football, mm-hmm. they don't call them coaches. They call mm-hmm. them managers. Mm-hmm. You know, Alex Ferguson, manager of Man United. Yeah. You know, So they call them manager for why? For a reason. Because they're able yeah. to manage yeah. the players. And, you know, and players today... That's actually smart though because like in my head, when, when you win, like the word coach is like teach. Yes. And All Blacks, they, they don't need teaching anymore. They need managing. Yes. Sort of like you're managing the talent that you have. You're, yes. not, you're not teaching the talent that you have. Wise word from Chizo. Wise word from Chizo. Hey. I just finished reading Alex Ferguson's book as well. 
<laughs> so you should know. <laughs> this um, this girl came into work yesterday, and she was a family friend of Alex Ferguson. I was wow. asking just... every question under the sun. <laughs> so, How's what Gethel? pubs in Aberdeen did you go to? So, <laughs> did you go to any games? What's his address? <laughs> uh, um, so when you first made the All Blacks, what was the reaction of the people around you? Did, did it did it change? Was it like is the fight of love love is more? <laughs> <laughs> well, really, my when when it was announced, I was at home. We've gone to church. It was a Sunday afternoon. They'd announced that there will be Sunday afternoon about 2 o'clock. So we went to church with my family. And came home, had our donai, our lunch, family lunch. And then we all sat around the TV to listen to the announcement of the, uh, the 1989, the way back in 1989, uh, the All Blacks uh, touring squad to, to Europe. And, and they went through the forwards, they went through the backs, and then all of a sudden my name was popped out. And I, I remember the whole family just jumped up to joy and just yeah and i i was crying everyone was crying because the significance of that was more than just being selected it was showing new zealand had finally chosen a pacific island with a full pacific island name you mm. see you had the, the I'll, 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 i'm i'm proud to say these names you had the greats who are Samoan, michael Alex, jones michael jones brian williams mm-hmm. all brown Frank Bunce, Stephen Bashup, Andrew Blowers, Ironi Clark, and Steve, uh, Graham Bashup. Uh, the list just goes on of yeah, so yeah. many uh, Samoans with English names. Yeah. yeah. But in 1989, when they read my name out, it was Ma'ina Tungamala. Oh. You know? And, and, and it was a point of history. I look back and say, wow, it was a changing of guard. It was a turning of a new page. New Zealand had now embrace our Pacific Islands, full-blooded Pacific Islands. Yeah. And that was way back when I when I got selected as a, a young 19-year-old. And I remember the party was going on in our home. We were celebrating, and I, I slowly slipped away and came to the cemetery and came to where my dad's grave was in Wakimedi there, and I just said, thank you, Dad, mm. you know, for bringing us over here. I had no idea that one day I'll represent New Zealand. Mm-hmm. But that was... To me, in my family, with my family, I was able to cherish a, a moment of history. Now we've got so many island boys with their with their island names, and they're very proud. Yep. Whether it be Fijian, Tongan, Samoan, yeah. Raro, Maori, yep. you know, it's just so nice to have all these Pacific island names being uh, read out. Yeah, um, I, I guess that that's true now. Like, if, yeah, you probably you were the first yeah. to. Yeah, when I think about all like the greats, like especially like yeah, they're all English names yeah. for me. Like, well, my dad used to love like. Frank Burns, Michael Jones, Ernie yeah. Clark, and it's English names there. I didn't mm-hmm. really realize. Yeah. yeah, you were the first person. So you learn something every, every day. We learn. <laughs> He's just got to learn the language next day. <laughs> we'll, get uh, we'll get there. Do you have Do you have uh, maybe your favorite moment as an All Black, whether it's on whether on the field or off the field? I got two favorite moments on the field. The first one was 1992. Um, when the All Blacks went to South Africa, and it was the first time a official an official sporting international body was allowed back into South Africa because of the apartheid. Yeah, and we knew it was a controversial tour. Yeah, so when we got went over there, we went there with a lot of our Polynesians, Michael Jones, Olive Brown, 
Ronnie Clark, myself, you know, uh, that was part of that All Black team that was allowed back into South Africa. And I remember very clearly we were about to run out and uh, we're all so proud that here we are playing against the Springboks. And I remember singing the national anthem, I couldn't hear it, and doing the haka for the first time. And I had to look around to make sure I was in line with everyone else because the noise was just incredible. You know? Wow. And, uh, and then I get to meet Nelson Mandela. Oh. Imagine that. Yeah. Our team had Boy an audience. Samoa. Yes. Our, our team <laughs> had an audience with Nelson Mandela. Hey? So that was that was a proud moment for all of us. Because that I was mean, also a massive moment for South Africa as a country. Oh, as yes. Well. Yes. Yeah. Because he, I'll rewind it back 11 years earlier. In 1981, the All Blacks, uh, the South African Springboks came to New Zealand. And it was caused so much rift amongst our people here yeah. because of the anti-apartheid. And I remember as a young 10-year-old, I was on my uncle's shoulders going down to Sandringham for the third test at Eden Park. Mm -hmm. And we got caught up with the protest and the police was just pushing, shoving Gosh. everybody out. And we were going. And the only reason why I was keen to go was I wanted to go and see the, the, the first black South African <laughs> uh, rugby player. Yeah, And his name was Errol Tobias playing on the wing. And remember, I'm only 10 years of age here. Mm -hmm. And to, and then I want to see this first uh, black rugby player from South Africa named Errol Tobias. But that day, we finally, when the protest was, that day we finally got into the ground. And I remember under the, under, under the, the, the rugby post, behind the rugby post, we were all there. And I remember, I went to watch that black guy, but it was the number 13 was South Africa that caught my eyes. And his name was Danny Gerber. The big... Springbok center yeah and he was huge his legs his whole frame and he could run and he caught my eye as a 10 year old now fast forward back in 1992 11 years later i end up playing the very guy that i was admiring way back then wow. as a 10 year old wow. you know danny Gerber. they bought him for that 92 yeah um test match in uh, johannesburg and he was marking frank bunce <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you hit him Oh, I, I couldn't get near it, <laughs> you know. But what a for, for me, what a, what what an opportunity to play against yeah. my hero, right? Eh? Because he was the one that stood out back in 1981, and here we are in 1992. They brought him back to play. Wow! So that that is a moment that really stands out. Oh, for you that was a moment. Black. And the other one was 1993. Monsamo played the All Blacks in Eden Park, and yeah. first time in history. And I was so scared. I've never been so scared playing. Really? Well, I'm going up against our own, my own, yeah. country, you know. And just, um, just go, just go. Just yeah. go. <laughs> and that was a proud moment because we got told that we were going to do the haka first and then Manu Samoa going to do this. But no, as soon as we called out Samoa, Manu Samoa called this. And Ooh. if you watch the video on YouTube, we all came, we all started Close. together, we all finished together. And I was crying because it, we weren't expecting that, hey, yeah. you know, for them to challenge us straight away. So did you forget which one you wanted to do? Did you start doing that? <laughs> all I know, all I remember was I got knocked out. <laughs> what was the uh, final score of that game? Oh, we just won because it was a tight game. I think we just ran away with it in the last ten minutes, but like physically, it was <laughs> a close game, eighty-four nil. <laughs> but physically, it was one of our best games and one of the hardest games we've ever played. We were battered in our changing room. Yeah, we were absolutely beaten up physically by the I mean the, that's like the the strength of those the, the the Pacific Island teams though they what they lack in like talent they make up for in heart yeah, and, yeah. you know and you know that's you're crazy. gonna get hit 
Mm-hmm. It's not matter whether you're gonna do it. Yeah, it's just it's when, when, yeah. whether you put the ball just, or not, it's coming. <laughs> if a ball is like up, up your head, you don't catch it. <laughs> I'm not opening my chest right now. <laughs> uh, what was it that? When was the moment that you decided I'm gonna play for Manu Samoa? 1996, and Glorious it moment. was towards November, and I was actually playing rugby league at that time. But Manu Samoa oh, really? was touring. They were touring. And and they give they the old, injuries. Oh, do you want to play? Yeah, they say, "Oh, Inga, we've got some injuries, and we're we're, we're down on numbers. Would you, are you able to help us?" And I remember, I remember driving all the way from London, all the way up to to Wigan. It was about three and a half hours. And the next day, I went to see the club to see if they would release me just for that one test match against Ireland. Yeah. And uh, they and, and believe it or not, the British Rugby League. Executive said, "Yes, you can. We can release you to play, but you just got to look after your contract, cover yep. your insurance and medicals and all that." So I paid for that, and then I I, I was free, and I went down to and I met the Manusam. What a what an experience! Yeah, you know, you know, only a couple of years of playing against them uh, <laughs> earlier, and now I'm playing with them, with them, and that was such an awesome. We actually beat Ireland in Ireland that night. We we won. Wow. Oh, nice. We won forty points to twenty five. We need that that team back. <laughs> you got you folks want to come back and play? Yeah. yeah. What was like? What was the big like? What was the big differences between playing for New Zealand and then like playing? I think for, for the All Blacks is is always going to be my team. The All Blacks. I'm a very okay. proud ex All Black. I'm very honoured and privileged to have played with them and some of the greatest players ever to play the game. Yeah. It was our era was a it was an incredible era. Yes, we didn't make a lot of money. Um, but we, we, we play with our hearts on our sleeves and, and we gave it everything for our country. And so the All Blacks will always be my number one team. Mm-hmm. But this Manusau Moor was a totally different. It was almost a family. It was all about a family affair yep. because you're related. Somewhere along the line, you're all related. You know? Yes, yeah, <laughs> enough. You dig deep enough. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but that, that team instilled a culture that I was actually losing out on. Yeah. You know, because my parents were very they wanted us to try and embrace the New Zealand culture mm. and, and, and embrace the language and, and everything. So we didn't have a lot of time to experience our own culture at home. So playing for Munsam we brought those memories and reignited the, the, the desire to want to learn more Samoa, learn about our Fa Samoa mm. and our culture and our and our traditions. What was your family's reaction to like you telling them that you're gonna play for Money Samoa? Because oh, no, I know you, you see you see videos of uh, Andrew Fafida and people like that when they first when they tell their family they're going to play for Tonga yeah. uh, Matama Tonga and stuff like that yeah. they're crying yes. it's, it's it's so unexpected for them because you know it's sort of giving up it's like giving yeah. up the All, all Blacks yeah. you know or kangaroos to go yes. play for your home yeah my parents my, 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 my family cried mm. you know they would they would say well, you're so blessed to be able to give something back while you still playing for your playing yep. rugby you know so I've had to be honest I've been spoiled Chisa, and nods I've been spoiled I've had the, the, the best of both worlds both as a professional as an amateur um, you know I've, I've made my, my my fame I've made my, my name I've made I've gained so much out of the out of the game the game has been good to me um, I like to think that I've been able to be been good for, ambassador for the game itself as well it's taught me some wonderful lessons. Yeah. And it's got me to travel the world, do things that normal Polynesian kids wouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, met some incredible people. 
along the way, like we were talking about the, the, the great Nelson Mandela, the, the Queen Elizabeth, how many times? Um, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not name dropping, but you know, I'm not name dropping, uh, but, uh, but these are the privileges. Uh, yeah, but these are the privileges <laughs> when you're playing for such a. These are privileges when you're playing for such a awesome team as the All Blacks. And yep. I didn't realize when I left the All Blacks just how big a profile the All Blacks is. Uh, like, is, is it like a. Like a, like an ex an old old boy all black cult somewhere that did you guys do you guys all meet up for like <laughs> all meet up for like yeah <laughs> we do have lots of meetings there's there a lot of dinners <laughs> there a lot of functions we get invited to but I I hardly go because I'm all the way out in Samoa Samoa yeah but every time there's chess matches here yeah the, the invites always goes to the ex all blacks to come for dinner yeah you know so they always put something on for us yeah. I've 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 got a, a bit of a, a proposition that I think Noz, Noz might be able to help with. Yeah. If you could put maybe like fifteen of the best players from nineteen nineteen nineties to the best fifteen players now, who would win? Well, time has it that the current players, the current fifteen players, should be able to beat the past, the previous uh, 15. Saying that though, given their eras, the difference of eras, that's why it's very hard to compare. True. Uh, given their skill level, their fitness and strength level, because the game has evolved incredibly forward. I would still say that the previous players would still give them a good run oh, okay. for their money. Um, the game back then isn't as as complex as it is today today you've got you need a whole manual and a dictionary and, and a magnifying glass to really read and understand all the the rules also have changed to make the game faster mm-hmm. you see so so if you, if you have to put your money the current players should and because they should because they've got more time to train more True. time to rest and the long. training i guess is more focused yes. like you said you only you did lift it once you got to yeah. when you got to England and I guess now yeah, 14 year olds doing... are just doing like 80 kg bicep curls oh, no, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Yeah. and they look at me and they go waste the money here <laughs> <laughs> oh. how do you think you would have you would have fared if you played it right if, if you were my if you were to go up against Rico you are on there right now yeah. in seven Reese <laughs> I, I, actually I will, I will back myself because I yeah. actually knew how I was back then and how strong I was when I went to rugby league that enhanced my my physicality as well, you know, yep. and, and my fitness levels. Because when I went to rugby league, gee, it was, you know, I was like a Prince little of all that. I was a I was a little muscle monkey, you know, <laughs> just ready to beat everybody on the field, <laughs> run all over. Because all of a sudden, and that and that's what confidence and that's what fitness does to you. It builds natural confidence, mm-hmm. you know. That all of a sudden, hey, I'm really strong here. I'm really fit. I can take the world on, you know. So and that's the advantage that the current players have that we didn't have. We still had to get up and go. Do a nine to five job, catch yeah. the bus and still go to yeah. training. You know, Gosh. so do you, do you envy the boys? Like you see, like Aaron Cruden's earning three million dollars overseas now, and no, um, no, I, I, I don't. Think no, no, because it, it, you know, every I was, I I was voted the world's most expensive player back then. Mm-hmm. I still to to this day, I still have the world's most expensive transfer which is 1.7 million pounds back oh, then my. and it's still the, the biggest transfer today um but it was relevant back those days you see yeah. the money that you earn back those was relevant for those days true you know and and if three million a season here is still relevant to, yeah. to you know so yeah yeah 
but then like obviously now the sponsorship money and like the game yes. receives like the prices the more people get into the yeah. it's global get, yeah you know of course, of course they're going to make much more money back those days nods and uh, you know we we had to go and hold the the aerial the, the video <laughs> to make sure it was a clear picture someone someone could have watched the game they had to stand outside <laughs> you guys are just on front yeah it's on yeah <laughs> and let's see technology has advanced the game mm-hmm. you know and it advanced the way the game has been marketed out in the world as well mm-hmm. everything's instant on your phone now I mean, if you had to, so if, if if I'm like a little Pacific Island kid growing up in New Zealand right now, what advice would you give me if I was just like, oh, I want to play rugby, rugby league? And you're talented? And yes. <laughs> and, and you are exceptionally talented. <laughs> yes. It's very simple. You know, I think um, I think the Pacific Islanders has a real massive advantage of their physicality at such a young age, but where they come, they come where it becomes challenging for them is when they're 17, 18, 19 years of age where there's a lot more distraction. Girls get into involved. Other sports get involved. Other interest pops in. And so to be able to still stay focused as a rugby player is a lot more challenging for you guys. And the key, if you want to, to make it, is just that word, focus. You know what they say, success is hocus pocus unless you're focused. Oh, yeah. Bars well. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Musician as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You heard it so here first, kids. It's just <clears throat> focus. Just, and it's not focused on the big things. It's the little th- attention to detail. Yeah. You know, it's the small things that you do well that gets you to the bigger things. Yeah. You know? The extra it, set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's that. And I see more now the challenge for our Pacific Islanders is this, is the mental ability to prepare yourself well you know talent will get you there um but you know character will keep you there you know and it's like you say it's doing the extras mm-hmm. you know uh, and i've i've got a you know I, I i've got a good saying about 10 things that you don't re- don't require talent and that is attitude um turning up on time being motivated uh, being kind you know being motive uh being inspiring uh, being humble, you know, all these little things, they, they don't need, mm. you don't need talent. Yeah. It's, it just comes down to your attitude. Wow. I mean, just yeah. like you two. Fair <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that saying is never more true, like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work out. Yeah. And the other thing is just being honest. Mm-hmm. I think honesty is, they say, the Balangi always say, honesty is the best policy. <laughs> you know? Sometimes. And, <laughs> none of your mum's angry. <laughs> but here, here, here's, here's the word. Well, in fact, here's a poem about honesty. And it goes like this. When you get what you want and you struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. What is it your father, your mother, your bro, whose judgment upon you must pass? The fellow whose verdict has most in your life the fella staying back from the glass. Some people call you a straight shooting chum and even call you a wonderful guy. But the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him smack in the eye. You may lead the whole world down the pathway of life and get pats on your back as you pass. But your final reward will be heartache and tears if you cheated the man in the glass. Wow. Yay. That is... That's a poem, right? That's, actually that's a, a poem, poem right yeah. there. I mean, I'm going home tonight, looking at myself in the mirror. We can go there, do one, Mister T. What are you looking at? <laughs> you go to the mirror, oh. and the mirror breaks. <laughs> oh no! 
Uh, I've, I think I've got, I've got some. I mean, it's been a good chat. Uh, I've got some, maybe a bit more lighthearted questions. Who's the hardest? Well, what's the hardest? Who's the person who's hit you the hardest? Michael Jones. Oh, what's that like? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that that bad? Yeah, that bad. Oh my god. Michael Jones or Richie McCaw? Michael Jones. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I would take. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I've, different eras. I've also never yeah. seen Michael Jones play. Yeah, so. yeah, true, true. Oh. Um, who was the who was like the the worst person to room with, or like the worst person <laughs> to like the most annoying person to be around? God, by the name of Richard Lowe. Richard Lowe, oh, if you're watching, watching this, Richard Lowe, Richard Lowe, look in, look in the <laughs> you glass. You already know Richard Lowe. He, he, he can snore. <laughs> oh. he's, he's a big prop from Waikato. One big tough mama, and um. He 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 gets he just snores. He keeps me up all night. Well, we just oh. know. Look yourself in the glass. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> a compliment, by the way. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> promise. It's a compliment. Promise. Ah, oh, well, is, is he one of those ones where like he snores, but you you can't wake him up because he's that he's a scary yeah. dude. Well, he is. You know, he was one of our big enforcers in the All Blacks. Yeah. And so when there was ever trouble around, he would come along and fix it with Steve McDowell. Yeah. Those big front row boys. Is um is Brian Lima as scary on the field as he looks? Yep. <laughs> I've seen some of his hits. Yeah, oh, yeah. Looks like he removes rib cages with yep. some of his tackles. Yeah, he's crazy. He's in fact I I I actually I've only seen him get hurt once and he's knocked him out his own side. <laughs> yeah, it was. Did he tackle a super... tree or something? <laughs> no, <laughs> it, was, it was against South Africa, one of the South African uh, super teams, and he went full out to knock him out, and he ended up knocking. Both of them got knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just commitment, you know. And, yeah. and he's feared all over the world and they didn't call him chiropractor for nothing. That That is very true. Who do you true. think are the greatest Samoan players to ever play for Mono Samoa or the All Blacks? Oh, well, we, you've had some great ones. And uh, I think Frank Bunce, certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, as, a, as an All Black uh, centre as well, Mono Samoa, we started. Um, there's also, the, the you know, Stephen Basham, you know. Uh, Pat Lamb not many, uh, Pat many Lamb, people know that he played for the All Blacks as well as the Munster that Lamb family is just that Lamb insane family, yeah, yeah. just keep producing stars <laughs> that's, Stop that's it. right uh, they breed rugby superstars that's, that's true rugby. They've, they've got netball players they're all over the show <laughs> it's crazy what was your favourite foods to get from Otara Markets a buggy popo are you a fan of fa pa pa I am yeah, oh, man. I, I, my grandma the buys coconut ones with yeah. the with the you know the, what do you call them? The, the little like yeah, bingles. We call them bingles I, inside. I, I, I don't know what they're called, but it's not. But grandma always buys those, and like I'd wake up in the morning before school, and they'd be like coco and papa bars. Yeah, like, going to school happy. Yeah. Best restaurant in Samoa, Scalini's, owned by Joe Lamb. Another land. Which Tui Langi brother are you the most scared of? All of them. <laughs> They're enough. all scared. I played a lot I played alongside uh, uh Freddie Tulangi, yeah, uh, the eldest one, and then I played with uh Alessandra, mm-hmm. you know, the big winger. Yeah. And so he was coming in when I was going out and I yeah. was glad of that. <laughs> and uh then you got oh then obviously I I remember Manu when he was only a young kid, you know, so seeing him doing well for England. But boy, they're Henry, the scariest out of all of them. Henry is yeah, terrifying. He's Hulk. He's yeah. the Samoan <laughs> version of Hulk. 
It's like he's the salmon version of Hulk, but like Manu's like also a Hulk. <laughs> no, they're just like, old. He's like a smaller version of the Hulk, and yeah, then he's. <laughs> Alessandro's a smaller version of another Hulk. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. Alessandro's just Hulk with braids. <laughs> My first game watching Alessandro Sulangi, he just like got the ball, just like mad face, like just running knees up. I was like, whoever's standing in front of you right now, <laughs> God bless your soul. <laughs> well, there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes the smallest part, you need go to make the tackle yeah. was <laughs> I, I just go for the ankles. That's the smallest part. Yeah. Or just run off. Go for <laughs> run off the field. <laughs> Simbin yourself, you know. <laughs> Sub. <laughs> uh, are there anyone? Was there anyone that was hungry? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, was there anyone that I don't know? Growing up, you were like, he's definitely gonna make it, but didn't for like unforeseen reasons. I had a lot of friends, a lot of Polynesian friends, Tongan, Samoans, Fijians, who were talented than, than I was much better than me who were stronger bigger faster than me and I think it comes back to what I was saying earlier the difference between me and them was that I was just focused mm-hmm. I was I had such a burning desire just to be the best I can be on that field unfortunately some of these friends of mine and um, they 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 went off the you know the track yep. and they got involved in things that they shouldn't have been but in terms of the rugby talent oh you couldn't fault them they mm. were just a class act that that still happens now yes a lot yeah yes what do you think is like if if you saw someone or if, if you know someone that was going off you know off the track what's the best way to bring them back well i think a lot of it a lot of it, what what our, our, our friends can do is just be that supporting arm uh, to a lot of these guys you know I know for me, it was my family members that reached out and, you know, and, and, and just encouraged me. And my uncles, my mom's brothers, that really helped me uh, stay focused. Because I could have just been like any of them, just gone off the rocks, off the rails, and just got involved in alcohol, drugs, and just being a nuisance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, again, it comes back um, to how much you, 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 um, you love your sport and love what you're doing. And I think coming back to that whole caring side of things, you know, that old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So people are not going to listen to you until they see you make an effort to uh, approach them. And it could be just a simple thing going up to nods. Hey, bro, everything all right? Anything can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know, those little things do make a big difference, you know? Or, hey, nods, cut it out, mate. You know? <laughs> Stop, I've uh, tried. I tried. Have you tried? <laughs> He not, just... you know, don't hang around with those things, mate. Don't, <laughs> don't do that stuff, man. You know, stuff we, we laugh about it, but those, those things can make a big difference. Eh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not your fault, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when you're like when you're playing, and then like obviously after, like, did you get like did you pick up any other hobbies or interests like to like when you're away from the game? Yeah, I picked up golf as a as another sport that I wanted to do. Mm. There's so much downtime, so I was bored sitting at home. And uh, then some of the boys decided, oh, we're going to play this game. I said, what is it? Said, Golf. I said, oh, you've got to be stupid. Who, you, know, you've got to be <laughs> you, you want to hit a ball with a stick? Yeah. Hit a ball with a stick and a standing there and you keep missing it. I got hooked on it and uh, and away I went. And it was just a good way of just taking your mind away from rugby too. Yeah. You know, because you could... You I guess could it's, like, it's the polar opposite of rugby. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 
calm, still you're by yourself. Like or not by yourself, but like it's just you that can yeah. control mm-hmm. the outcome. And then you go to like rugby where like it's a like fast impact team well, sport. It is, and it's, it comes back to that word honesty. It's a great game of honesty because when you're playing, you can easily cheat. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. the ball goes behind the tree, and then you, then you grab a, a club that you made up called footbridge, and you just swing it around. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Tiger. I yeah. just I swung it around through yeah. trees, yeah. and I just put the little curve on it. Yeah. Just, you can be, you can be <laughs> frustrated as well because you know you see these little white boys, man, they just stand over a ball and they can whack it. And here's you muscle monkey going up from the board and you, you keep missing it. Eh? No, so it's a, it, there's a skill involved in it. Mm-hmm. But I, that's what also helps me take from my focus away from rugby. Because otherwise, otherwise, if you just live, street, uh, live, eat, sleep rugby, then it becomes really boring. Yeah, and and it doesn't affect your home, your home life. Yeah, you know, so I've got four children and and a wife and. and they get bored sometimes when I come home talking about rugby. Dad, can you talk about something else? Fine, uh, golf. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, I'll talk about rugby league. Yeah, because I was reading um, Alex Ferguson's book, as I was saying, and like he like his life was like so consumed by football that he needed like avenues to like let out the stress and stuff. Yeah. So he like collected art and like um, books mm. and like was breeding horses and stuff yeah when i was playing for wigan we used to always have this interchange with man united so uh, alex ferguson's team we were able to what they do cross training in the summer so they come and do some rugby league training we go and do some football training and we were useless because the foot the footballers are so much fitter than the rugby league because they just run yeah, all day, run all day. They're, they're not big but they just run 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 we couldn't keep up with them mm-hmm. so we used to go up there and and and, and hang out with people like david beck and um uh, Ryan Giggs, um, <laughs> Rocky, Scholes, um, Eric Cantona, the French captain, jeez, and back in those days, and, you know, and, and they will come, come, <laughs> come and watch our game, and we will go and watch their game on our wow. off days. Yeah, that's so crazy. Can, I mean, so if he's a Gary big, Neville, Phil Gary Neville, Neville, yeah, Phil. If he's all watching right now, Yapstam, Dennis Owen, come on the podcast, come, come down to the You can all come. And sit with us and Inga talk about your cross training with Wigan and then give me a contract up front. <laughs> Promise. I mean, Eric Cantona, from what I found out, he was living in our village just down the road from us in Wigan. And uh, the place, he was just an absolute Man United legend. And we used to go and watch, honestly, we used to go and watch the Man United. It was just a totally different atmosphere. You know, the soccer fans. Oh, insane. Yeah. Unbelievable. Just... And we just watch these guys, these superheroes, you know, the David Beckham running down the sideline. Say, wow. You know? <laughs> He's so jealous. <laughs> so like, like, one see... day, we'll, we'll get there. Right? <laughs> if I could see Giggsy like, right now, 50-year-old Giggsy, I'd be... Unbelievable. Eh? I'd be happy. Oh, the left foot. Insane. <laughs> oh, I mean, what, what, what was their star power over there? Just and also, what what was the reaction to a Polynesian? I feel like they wouldn't have oh, ever interacted with Polynesians. I don't think they knew many many Polynesians back then. Nowadays, it's a lot different now. The the, the game rugby is a lot more exposed, yep. so it's a lot more on the on the media. So they they yep. see the Polynesian you know rugby players that's having a huge influence in in, in British rugby. Yeah, um, but you know, I mean, you know, when I went to Newcastle. Um, you know the Newcastle rugby football, uh, sorry the Newcastle footballers. 
it, there was players like Alan Shearer. When I was signing, when I just signed up for Newcastle awesome, Falcons, great. yeah, Alan Shearer was had just signed up for Newcastle. There was Les Ferdinand, um, you know, Bobby Robson, the coach. These guys were as young kid growing up in New Zealand on Sunday uh, morning um, television in New Zealand. We still turn on watch the English Premiership. Yep. These are the guys he's just watching from a distance. Think, yeah. Wow, you almost feel like you'd never ever get to see yeah. them. And yet they turn up and watch our, our rugby game, you know, and they come and support us, you know. And I think, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because I guess New Zealand, like, yeah, because I, I went to America uh, late last year and I went to an NBA game and I was like, I, I never thought I would ever see any of you in my entire life, but yeah. here I am. Because New Zealand feels so far away yeah. from everything, you know. Like, I, I see the All Blacks and I'm like, oh, I've seen Joe Fogo at a mall once, yeah, but no, yeah. I haven't seen LeBron James in a mall. I mean, you know. <laughs> There's a big difference between LeBron James and Joe. <laughs> no, yeah. in America, sports is so big. Eh? And they worship their, their, their sporting yeah. heroes over there. Did you ever get enticed to play American football? Or I did. Uh, way back in 1992, I was given the opportunity to to um, to consider uh, switching uh, to, to American football with the... The white and blue team. You know? Cowboys. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, that's the one. You could have been yeah. playing with Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin. Oh, no, 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 those guys were just so far <laughs> I think they were ahead of me anyway. <laughs> they were ahead of my time. They would still be talking about you, you know, ESPN yeah. right now. All, all you have to do is, Inga, get the ball, run. <laughs> oh, they wouldn't, I, I don't think I would, they classed me as a running back. Oh, really? A running receiver. I think they. I think the position they had considered was for me to play fullback. Oh okay. Yeah. oh, okay. So we'll just so you're like straight down the, yeah. the middle. Or... <laughs> do exactly what you yeah, do on the way. You know, when you see people like, uh, you know, back in those days, in my time, there were people like the San Francisco 49ers, mm-hmm. the uh, Montana? Montana? Je- no, no, Je- Jesse Sapolo, the Sam Warren, oh. one of our first one. Uh, I know there's the Junior. Tongan, you know, the Tongan had a uh, Sikaema, you know, one of the very first yeah. NFL Tongan Sikaema. Um, and oh, it's, it's those Tonga, they're, they're all ones from Utah they, they go to. Yeah, and, get and then it's Junior Seau. Yeah, Junior You know, yeah. and then uh, the just recently, uh, Troy Polomalu. Oh, oh yeah. so, Best safeties ever. Yeah. So he's watching all our Polynesian do well in the NFL. It's brilliant. Yeah. But I remember I was invited to speak at the uh, All Samoan Sports Awards in America, in California. And I was invited and my host was Jesse Sapolo and uh, he was this big line defense massive Samoan guy and he took me to play golf and we went to play golf and we jumped in the golf cart and it was like this <laughs> it was 400 pounds oh my just gosh Samoan beef <laughs> and, and I, I was, oh, was, was you know, I was this little little boy B you know, <laughs> on, on the edge of the cart just like looking down because he was so big eh? he was yeah. wide those guys are big. They're different over there. I mean, they the, are, they're, yeah, the, the training that that they put them through, they they're, they're another sport that they yeah they yeah. specialized training from yeah. a super young age. Yes. They identify at like ten, eleven, what what position you want to play or uh, looking like you might be, and they train well, you at right. that. You know, I remember in nineteen in two thousand three, I had the privilege to go out with David Tua to the states in New York, and we went through. Uh, we stayed in Florida in Fort Lauderdale. And then we were able to go and uh, head backstage to all the trainers of the Buccaneers. 
and boy, you know, I, I remember they, had, they they were screening young, they were screening young uh, uh, black Americans uh, for specialized positions for running running mm-hmm. receivers. And I remember they were just measuring up the the, the length of the calf, the width of their. That's their crazy what they do in the sports science. Hey, you yeah. know the sports science. What are you doing? So they were able to determine how fast he can run, what distance he can. Yeah, well, run. I mean, if if you think about what they were doing then, if you yes. think the stuff they do now, they they're taking blood tests to see what position you can play. Yes, you know, there's like how some many high school kids that are just like jacked. Yeah. They're just like from like fourteen, they get like all like their B, like BMI stuff mm. done, everything done, and then the coaches is like just do these, these, these. Yeah, it's amazing that through all the science, sports medicine, and sports science, they can do everything, they can measure everything, but there's one instrument they cannot create, and that is this instrument to measure your heart. Oh, you, know? oh, you got that? I got Close. that wrong. <laughs> and that as well. And that, you know? and that as well. But you know, you, they, there's True. nothing to measure a man's heart how yeah. how strong they would they would they would dig. You know, mm. so maybe maybe something for you two to do. <laughs> hey, if you need uh, a new just... heart, we got a we got a here. How how hard can you run into this wall? <laughs> how tough you are. <laughs> we should get this uh, car in front of you. Just try and tackle your best. <laughs> True. True. See, technique, technique. Depending on how how late you dive away, that's how tough you are. <laughs> Oh, no, it's been a good chat. It's, it's been really chatting good. for ages now. It's been good. I really awesome. appreciate you coming really through. Really appreciate it. Someone of your, your stature, your nature, you know, the things you've done for the sport, for Pacific Islanders. Appreciate it always, you know. People, you know, coming up behind you, you know, are blessed to have you have done it before them, you know. It's amazing. It makes it easier, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. you break through and then it makes it easier for everyone else to come. Like, right now, like, as Pacific Islanders kids, like, everything is kind of, most of stuff, I reckon, is handed to us. Hand it to all. I mean, we do, we like, don't have to fight as yeah, much yeah. as as I mean, much it's still as, like you know. hard. Like you, like some, like you live. Like it's, a, it's still got kind of hard struggle and yeah, stuff. But it's. I think it'd be it's way easier mm. yeah. now than it would have been back. And that's all because of, you know people like it, you. It, it, it's, it's so nice to hear you, young men, talk like that because you you appreciate uh, where you come from and uh, acknowledging those who've gone before you. But I tell you, you know, I'm no different. I was sitting in the same chair as you guys were a few years back and thinking, you know, the people that have gone before me, what they've done to make my path a bit easier. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if there's any challenge for our, our young Pacific Islanders, there's that, you know, you always give yourself a chance. Yeah. Always, you know, always give yourself a chance. Always believe in yourself. And I was brought up in, in rugby. There's two words that, that really uh, resonates with me, and that's the word team pride. Playing for the All Blacks really taught me the importance of, of teamwork. T-E-A-M, together everyone achieves more. And that word pride, P-R-I-D-E, personal responsibility and delivering excellence. So if you marry those two up, you can't go wrong and you cannot fail. One is a collective thing, team. And the other one is a personal thing. Because no one can drive you like yourself. No one knows you better than you know yourself. And so the, I think those are the two words that I like to leave with your your listeners mm-hmm. and with you Chizo and and and, and, and odds for, <laughs> for allowing me to come on on, on board and um, and really just you know the the privilege of uh, coming on on your show very and, nice um, one of the very few what do you got there we got uh, we got oh, Inga, Inga, the Inga. Inga. <laughs> number eleven. <laughs> We're just going to hold this for the rest of the video. 
We've got a great team at the back, working hard. Thanks, guys. We're, we're clearly the, the best back three yeah, in the world there you go. here at ESPN. We might be able to, might be able to raffle that off and make some money for, 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 for the Chizos and, and, have to and sign Nod's it now. show. Yeah. We're just going to raffle this off so we can get Giggsy in. <laughs> Do you still have his number? It's just... It's it's Giggsy's number as well. (laughs) No, but hey, uh, thank you for having me on the show. No worries. Thank you. It's our pleasure. It's our honor. It's been awesome. And if anything, we could just, like they say, it's iron sharpened iron. We can sharpen each other, encourage one another. Remember, tune in. Chizzo nods. Let's go. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you.